back to the Institute for Person-Centered Care podcast. I am your host, Ann Garten, and I'm looking forward to two experts from Senior Star here with us, Haley Flanker and Kylie Bowles. Welcome, ladies. Hello. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Excellent. So I'm going to start with having you, Kylie. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. So um, like Anne said, my name is Kylie Bowles, and um, I have been working with seniors um, since I graduated from the University of Iowa in 2016. Um, When I was at Iowa, I actually wanted to work more with um, like strokes and brain injuries, and that was my cup of tea, who I wanted to be with. But Um, My senior year, I had to get an internship, and the only thing available was in a dementia unit. And I had no idea what dementia really was. I've never worked with it before. I was so blessed. never had a grandparent that was going through that. And so that was my first experience, and I just fell in love working with this population. Um, I graduated in therapeutic recreation, so my role was to do activities, and I continued that. But as As time went on, I wanted to do a little bit more with my role. So um, I moved back to the Quad Cities and I got a job um, as an assistant director at a facility, but really fell in love with the marketing side of things. So that brings me here at Senior Star, where I do the marketing, I do the outreach. um, And with that, I do a lot of educational events um, about dementia and other diseases, too, that um, are with this population. And that brings me here with Anne today, just continuing to spread the knowledge. Excellent. We're glad to have you. Haley Flinker. Yes, thank you. So yes, like she said, I'm Haley Flinker, and I graduated from Iowa State University with a family and consumer science degree and a minor in gerontology. So I've always known, I've always had a special place with seniors um, as I grew up working with um, my grandparents as well as just seniors in the community. And so I always knew I wanted to work with them in some capacity. I interned with the Alzheimer's Association my senior year at Iowa State. And really, dementia has always been a huge passion of mine. I am now the memory care director at Senior Star. But throughout my journey, I also, um, in working with Kylie, have worked on the marketing side of things. And what a lot of people don't realize in senior living is that when we say marketing, we're really kind of that counselor for families as they are navigating through the journey of whatever that might be going on with their loved one. If it's that they're just downsizing or they do have some kind of a disease diagnosis like dementia, Parkinson's, other types of health issues that they're starting to need extra support. And so I have always loved working with seniors and kind of educating families on what those options are. And now I get to do that in a memory care setting and working with the residents, but also their families. So yes. So excited to have you both. And in those introductions, I heard two themes. Health promotion. So we're going to talk about health promotion in the aging population. Or for those of us who are midlife, right, we're heading in that direction. So what does that look like? And for our families as well. But I want to start with a little plug because sometimes our students listen to these as assignments as well. And you both came into this from very different areas. One of you knew this was what you wanted to do. And the other one through internships found 
this was your calling, right? And I think that's really important to point out because so many students sometimes struggle with what they want to do with their degree or where they want to go, right? And and I also say that because sometimes even those of us who are in our 50s go, what am I going to do tomorrow, right? Which brings me to that health promotion piece, yeah. right? And I think how do we age healthy, what, what does that look like and what can that look like? Because we tend to have the stigma of, oh, I'm getting older, I'm, my body's falling apart, I can't remember, I can't do this, I can't do that, right? So I'd love to start delving into some of that with you both. Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the biggest things as we think about aging just in general and as we're talking with a lot of families is it's really all about that social interaction that we're having, those connections with people that we're making. So regardless, as you had just mentioned, you know, we started in our internships and that's how we found the love for what we currently do now. And that is something that we're always learning. We're making those connections. Ironically enough, I ended up at Senior Star because of my who my supervisor was at the at my internship at the Alzheimer's Association in Des Moines. When I moved from Des Moines to Davenport, I said, hey, do you happen to know of any senior living communities in the Davenport area? I'm moving to the Quad Cities and this is what I'm looking for. And they connected me and here we are. So there's a lot of those connections that we make. And as we age as well, making those connections with people and knowing what resources are out there, but also friendships as well that can kind of continue to support you throughout whatever journey it is that you go go through as well. With my background, this isn't where I thought I was going to end up originally, but as a young kid, uh, my family always knew that I, I was so close with my grandparents, but both my parents were really young. My father was um, the youngest out of nine, and my mom was the youngest out of four. So I had a really unique relationship with my grandparents. I remember when my grandma was um, in assisted living, I would go in high school, I'd go and play bingo with her. Um, I would always bring her ice cream um, and hang out with her all the time. So I always knew that I wanted to hang out with seniors. I just, they always had so much to teach you. As you talk about, you know, the aging healthy, as an activity director, I got to meet so many individuals that were different ages and some of them were the same age, but just in completely different ends of where they were with aging. Um, You know, you can have somebody that's 70 that's acting like they're 100 years old or somebody that's 70 and they're still going to concerts or, you know, they're going to Florida and enjoying all there is to life. But just knowing that when you're aging, you know, age is just a number. It's just how you interpret it. I um, have a family friend and she was uh, 99 years old. And um, I asked her the secret. I was like, Jan, what's the secret to be what, 99 years old? And she was with us every holiday playing video games till one in the morning. And she said, the secret is to never stop working. And I thought, that is a horrible advice because I am looking forward to retirement. But she is so true. What she said is so true because, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. And so one thing that's really important to us at Senior Star that we really promote is getting involved, getting, as Haley mentioned, that socialization Um you know, don't, don't stop. Don't just sit and watch TV because you can now, um, continue to go out there and enjoy life. 
And we saw the damage, too, as we look at not having that socialization through the pandemic. Uh, We're still, you know, when we look at senior living as a whole in the country, we're still struggling with that uh, because people just were so isolated for so long. And yes, we look at the pandemic. It was a year or two. But wow, how much of of a damage that caused so many seniors. And so it is so true. You know, you need to. And that's one of the benefits of a senior living community is because you have that at your fingertips. It's harder when you're at home and a little bit more isolated as well. And I think I want to pull in work, definition of work. Our occupational therapist would remind us that work does not mean going to a job every day, right? It's daily work. And what does that look like? So it isn't what you had said, just sitting watching TV and needle pointing or, you know, not that those are bad things, but it's engaging in community and it's being a part of something more than ourselves, right? I think that's really an important piece to pull in that work doesn't mean going in, punching in, punching out always. Right. No, great point. I think too, there's there's a few myths I want to pull through, right? Right. So aging says that uh, we tend to think we're going to have a decline in health and disabilities, or increase in disabilities, right? We have memory loss, and we can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? And I think when we think of those myths, we can find ways to say, nope, not true, nope, not true. And I want to pull that through because, again, People think, I don't want to get old. It can be a blessing to be older, right? So let's talk about um, how we can, we can uh, manage some of those myths and, and make sure that people understand what they can be doing to improve our overall health. Learning to cope with change could be one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as we change is inevitable, right? You know, we change throughout our entire life. I think it gets extremely difficult when we're looking at aging and we're looking at, okay, I need a smaller environment. I've lived in this home for 50 plus years. How am I going to do this? And we have conversations with families about this all of the time. And it is hard. You know, we have all of those memories. A lot of times I look at it and we hear from our residents oftentimes is that, you know, it is difficult to make that step. It is difficult to go through that process, but how grateful they are that they did it and that they didn't make it a situation where their children had to do it. Because a lot of times that makes it even more difficult is because what we see is more times than not, if they are waiting until their kids have to do it, their loved one and that senior is now unable, either they're physically unable Maybe they have dementia and they're not able to do that. And so the family is dealing with the health issues that come with that. But then they're also having to deal with the emotional side of downsizing. And often it stems from they want to make their mom or their dad proud. They want to make them happy. And there's a lot of guilt that goes with that. So I always look at it of being that blessing of, yes, change is happening, but what is the other side of that? And what kind of a wonderful gift, and we hear it from families all the time, if their loved ones and their seniors make those moves early, and if they pre-plan early, that the journey through the end of life and um, those last years that they may have are so much easier because they know deep down that this is what mom wanted or this is what dad wanted. And ultimately, we see a lot of times where that change is a positive and they're so glad that they did it. They wish they would have done it sooner, but it was getting over that hurdle. 
And I was going to say, too, just when we do have these conversations a lot with families, too. And a lot of times it's, you know, mom and dad, they don't want to move. And it's because of, like, maybe kind of a very surface level reason. Like, I cannot leave my house. Um, we've had this house forever. It was a family house. Um, and, you know, that is a big deal. But it's usually there's something else, too. We need to dig a little bit deeper. Maybe it's not because this is the house that, you know, you did have, you know, 15 Christmases in or the first grandbaby was in. Maybe it's they're not ready to make that transition because they think that they're never able to leave the building that they're in, they're never going to be able to go out and go to your family's house for Christmas. Or maybe they're scared because you're going to take away their car keys. Um, so change is very scary, but sometimes those surface level concerns, if you dig a little bit deeper, there's there's some bigger, bigger issues going Indeed. on. Indeed. I think I want to pull in to be person-centered. There are people who also are able to manage living at home till end of life, mm-hmm. right? And that's an important piece to understand, though, where your resources are that are in the community and, and able to support you if you maybe can't drive anymore or things of that nature, right? So finding that, that piece is going to be very unique to each family and individual and having those conversations early is what you were getting to Haley right that that it's really important for everyone to understand what those wishes are so that folks can plan as as accordingly as maybe we do age and have some life events that may impact us Yes. And I think, you know, as we look at planning early too, and we get this oftentimes where families will come to us and say, I promised my mom or my dad that I would never move them to a community and making sure that we're being realistic with those situations, because certainly ultimately we all want to live at home. There's great resources in the community with bringing in services and it does work for a lot of families to live at home on their own. And that's certainly if they can do that, that's what, you know, the families want, what we want as well. Uh, But also being realistic of where they're at, you know, if they're someone that has dementia and they're at that end stage of the disease and they're no longer safe at home because they're leaving their house in the middle of the night, Yes, we did promise mom, but ultimately if mom was here to be able to cognitively make those decisions, she would recognize that this isn't a safe option. And so just making sure that when we are having those conversations that we're being very realistic of what that looks like. But there are, there's incredible resources out there that you can stay at home um, and try to stay at home as long as possible. I think one of the concerns that people have in in the choice of moving as well is finding new meaning, new joy, new connections, right? That's one of the fears. So let's talk about that and what has that looked like out there uh, in your in your work? Well, I want to go back to when you said one of your myth was you can't teach a dog old tricks. And um, one thing that I think of specifically is um, my husband's grandma. So she was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And if you meet this woman, she is just a very sweet, soft-spoken individual. Um, but her doctor recommended a program called Rock Steady Boxing. And if you see this woman, she's never thrown a punch in her life. But it was supposed to really help her with managing the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. So, you know, here she is, 66 years old, learning a new 
um, hobby. I mean, she really does enjoy it, and it really has improved her her symptoms with the disease. She just celebrated five years. She was one of the originals of the group of the local Rocksteady Boxing Program. But, um, you know, that's not only is it good for her, but it's been such a great community, too. And um, she's involved, but also her husband um, is just as involved, too. He's her corner man. And so um, he's able to meet the other people with Parkinson's, but also the other caregivers. And that's their community, too. Um, so just knowing that there are others like you and just what those resources are. I love that because it connects her with folks who are also managing a similar disease process, right? It is giving her some new support systems that understand her needs specifically. And I'm betting she's having a little fun at it as well, oh, right? Yes. So there's some joy coming out of showing up in, in that process as well. So I think that's key is, you know, using our resources. You know, you mentioned earlier doing some internships with the Alzheimer's Association. We know we have National Aging Association. Finding those groups who will give you, give you some ideas of what groups are happening in your community that will help support finding new connections and finding new joy and meaning, meaningfulness, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, as we age as well, you know, depending on what's going on with you, if you do have a diagnosis of something like Parkinson's or dementia or something like that, being able to find like-minded people and others that are experiencing the same thing, it can be isolating if you're going through a specific diagnosis. You know, we talk a lot about how um, dementia, oftentimes it's not a casserole disease. And so a lot of times families are having to to face this alone and they don't maybe have others around them that are going through the same type of challenges that they're facing. And so finding those support groups or finding those activities like rock steady boxing that you can do that you get to spend time with others that are going through the same thing, you know, ultimately just benefits you. You build friendships, but also you know that you're not alone in the journey either. Right. And I think something to keep in mind too. So like when we say things like dementia support group, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think of like, you're sitting in a circle and you're all just sharing feelings and maybe crying. Like it seems so serious too. And it doesn't, oh, it's not always like that. Like, yes, we do have some of those serious conversations, but we do try to incorporate fun things in that. Um, so we have a health and wellness coordinator, um, Nicole, that works at Senior Star. And um, one thing that like we do like to do is go to those support groups and incorporate a fun activity. So we've done like laughter yoga, drums alive, and we talk about like a superfood of the month and do a fun treat in it with it. And so yes, we're there to talk about dementia if you have any questions, but it doesn't have to be like that. It can be something fun too, but it's just a bunch of people like-minded that are getting together and just finding a, a community that just gets it. And in that, you're also talking lotion. Motion is lotion, you know, and some of those activities and, and music. Music therapy is phenomenal to keep our brains sparked and, and engaging in it. And those are so important in, in what we were talking about earlier about jobs. Those are new jobs. 
right? Uh, and, and a lot of people don't recognize that. Uh, a few years ago, right after the pandemic and we were all coming out of it, my dad was in his late 80s and he was using silver sneakers at their local YMCA and did an actual video for them based on the connections that were made, the, lo the motion is lotion, right, uh, type things. And um, that sense of community that allowed the individual to keep the, his mind going, keep him feeling healthy and engaged, and, 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 and making those connections with people. And I think that's really important uh, for folks to recognize, especially at, at, you know, as we get older, our community starts to get smaller and smaller. Right, uh, and for those of us who may not have a family, it may even get even even smaller. So finding those earlier are really really important. I think. What other thoughts do you have that you feel like folks really need to know about in in their aging process? Yeah, I think you know we've talked a lot about that socialization side of things, but I also think it's you know making sure that we're eating healthy, uh, making sure that, you know, a lot of times we do see where it gets difficult. If you're living at home by yourself and you don't have anyone else there to cook with, oftentimes, you know, what we're feeding ourselves becomes maybe not as healthy or we skip a meal here or there. And we know that if we're not Nourishing. Nur yes, yes, nourishing. Thank you. Uh, we're not, you know, we're not moving around as well as we would otherwise. And so it is important that we look at that and make sure that you have resources like Meals on Wheels that could bring you a hot meal if that's something, or that may be a time that we do need to start looking at a community that can prepare that for you and make sure that you are getting that. Because if we start to have that, it's a trickle effect. You know, you could have low blood sugar and start to fall and then that becomes a bigger issue. And so it's really just making sure that we're looking at those, all of those aspects, because if we're not, um, it, it does become a domino effect and, you know, ultimately you suffer in the end. Um, so just making sure you're being mindful of that. I think too, to, to have someone help you assess the whole situation is, is important, right? Am I safe? in a safe environment. And what p folks don't know is certain folks like OT, PT, v visiting nurse can come in and, and help you assess that, right? What is th those needs? Um, like you said, obviously, we, if we're not eating well, we're, we're not going to feel good, it, not only our body, but our, our mind as, as well. And then that social interaction. And I think the other piece is what folks get worried about is the financial end, right? And so that's really an important part of the discussion. And, and making sure that you're able to uh, financially do what, what we're talking about. And we're not always all the experts in that, but I think what's important is to understand we have the resources to help you understand that and, and manage that as well. Yeah, I think, you know, the financial side of things is the one of the hardest parts. And it goes back to, as we talked about earlier, of just starting early. You know, that should be a conversation. And generationally, it has been a challenge for maybe our friends that are 90 or 80 years old that they were very private with their finances. And sometimes they aren't always as willing to share that information with their children. But it is important that they know where they can find 
find that information and what types of resources are out there. You know, do you have long-term care insurance? Are you a veteran? If you are a veteran, where are the documents for that? What types of banks do you have? Because a lot of times that's where we find the biggest struggle is that hopefully you're not waiting until crisis, but the reality of the situation is more times than not, we're waiting until a crisis and then they're having to navigate through that. And so if they already know where that information is, it's going to allow them to be able to make a smart decision. And, you know, if you're a veteran, there are a lot of wonderful financial resources out there for you. If you have long-term care insurance, that can be a huge benefit. But we do see sometimes with long-term care insurance, if, you know, they do start to have memory loss and they've been paying on on this policy for the last 20 years and all of a sudden we aren't paying our bills like we should and they lapse that all of a sudden a insurance that they have paid for for 20 years they now are not going to be able to use because they haven't been paying on it and so that's a prime example of why families need to know what's going on so that they can ensure that you know that individual pre-planned however because of their disease it stopped them from being able to use that benefit and also while you're looking at and figuring out the finances we encourage people also to have the conversation of finding a healthcare and a financial POA to um, having that conversation whereas if you know you're not able to make that decision for yourself have a loved one that you trust um, able to be your POA so you can sign that paperwork for them. You trust this person to go find a place for you. If you're at a skilled facility and you cannot leave, like, do you have somebody there that's willing to go to or several places for you and make the best decision? That's another thing we come across, or there's two of them and they can't make up their mind. They're like, I want this for mom. I want this for mom. You know, have those conversations. Excellent. couple points there. Having the conversation open is really important with everybody who may be involved in the decision making. The other piece is to define family because family is not always an individual within blood relations, right? So I think that's really important because sometimes the the best person may be someone outside the family to Absolutely. help with those conversations, right? And to, and to guide that. So I always say pick the individual who you believe will make the decisions based on what you have requested, as well as can follow through on these things. Well, and making sure that they're committed to it. You know, I think a lot of times we say, oh, I want to be my mom's power of attorney, but you don't really realize if they do have health issues that they're really needing a lot of support, it can be a full-time job. And, you know, being mindful of, you know, are they local to you? Are they not local to you? Do you have support around you locally that could help support that power of attorney if they do live away um, and are out of state as well? So those are all things to consider as well um, because it is, it's it's a commitment. And I think for a lot of people, they don't realize that uh, when they sign up for it and then they don't do that follow-up like they should. Indeed. Lastly, I want to pull in is what a POA is because not everybody would know that piece of yep. the information. And a power of attorney is somebody who can make those decisions for you. But I think the other piece is everyone thinks that they have to have a lawyer write that. And and here in the Quad Cities, we even have a social worker in our local library who can help write with those those types of things. So I think that's really important mm-hmm. to, to for folks to recognize and understand. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you know, 
just making sure that it's notarized, that's really the piece of it that you need to have. And so, you know, having that also having, you know, DNR types of paperwork is important to have those conversations and keep it an open conversation, right? You know, we may have a conversation when you're 70 years old about it. Well, your choices and your thoughts on things may change when you're 80 or 85. So just making sure that you're doing those check-ins with your families as that senior, but also as a family member, do those check-ins and say, Hey mom, you know, what are you thinking now? How are you feeling about things now? Um, because it could change and that's okay. We're ever changing. Indeed. Evolving as we age, right? Yes. Ladies, thank you so much. I think this is really important information. I'm going to go back around, circle around, because I think aging healthy comes back to what we were talking about at the beginning piece. In the middle, we talked about planning and and finances and all of those parts that really are helpful for the front end of what we talked about. And, And so I appreciate you both for joining us, and we look forward to hearing from you more in the future. Thank you. Audio production for the Institute for Person-Centered Care podcast is provided by KALA-FM Studios in Davenport, Iowa. The show is engineered by Dave Baker. It is produced by Ann Garten, Director of the Institute for Person-Centered Care and Nursing Faculty at St. Ambrose University.